welcome and thank you for listening to the Life with Behavior Analysis podcast in conjunction with the ABA Task Force. I'm your host, Ms. J, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Let's dig in and do life together with Behavior Analysis. Welcome, 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 and thank you for tuning in to the Life with Behavior Analysis podcast. Today, we are back with our business roundtable. I'm going to let everyone reintroduce themselves. I'm really excited about this particular topic. We're going to be talking about having a business versus being a business owner. So there's a very big distinction, I think, between having a business versus being a business owner. But we're going to talk to those that are doing it and see what we can learn today. So, Miss Jessica, if you'll take the wheel and introduce yourself and your business, um, then we'll go from there. Sounds good. Uh, so my name is Jessica File, and I am the co-owner of Bella Vista Behavior Services. I have uh, one business partner who owns it with me, um, and we are located in uh, Visalia, California, which is in the Central Valley. Excellent. Next. I'm Jennifer Eaton. And I'm Mariah Half, and together we own Rooted in Play. Yeah, and uh, we are located in Orange County, California, and you can find us at rootedandplay.aba on Instagram, and we're excited to be here today. Excellent. And Miss Keisha. Hello, everybody. My name is Lakeisha Cobbs-Hayes, and I own Key Essentials to Behavior Management. We are in the Inland Empire. Um, for those that don't know, we are in Southern California. Um, we provide services to children and adults with disabilities. Um, residential facilities, and schools. Excellent. So now that you know who everybody um, on the panel is, now let's get started with the conversation. So first, what do you think or how do, what do you feel it means to own a business versus being a business owner? And anybody can just jump on in. Everybody's like, wait a minute, what do we say here? Oh my goodness. I think I can probably start off. Um, So owning a business versus being a business owner, I think honestly it's uh, having a business and having an idea of having a business are two different things, right? Like we Mm -hmm. get, when you first start, you get into this whole process of, I want to have a business and this is what I want to do, but that's not actually having a business. <laughs> like the business part is all of the back end stuff. And so I think one of the things that I heard um, actually this past week was, and I'm sure it's in a bunch of books, but having your own business is 30% of your time is spent being a visionary. So if you're spending more than 30% of your time actually working in the business and not necessarily on the business. And that, that also then starts to different differentiate you from, are you a business owner as opposed to having a business, if that makes any sense. So um, I think it also has to do with what are you, what, what are you spending your time on? Mm-hmm. So that would be my statement. I, I'm sure it may differ for other people, but that that's my statement. Okay. Anyone else? Miss Jessica, Miss Mariah, Miss Jennifer, what do you believe is the difference? Uh, um, I mean, it's hard to differentiate, I feel like, quite honestly, but I think it's important to differentiate because I think being a business owner comes with so much responsibility as far as not just having to take care of your own personal interests and manage what's happening within the business, but make sure you're taking care of so many other aspects of it, right? Mm -hmm. Being a business owner, essentially. Um, But I think to that degree, having a business is for me, you know, it's kind of like an essential part of what I wanted my life kind of outcome to be. Like I always saw myself as being a business owner, making sure that I'm able to implement rules based on what I feel are important and value within my own kind of just daily life. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but making sure you have the boundaries between both, right. And spending your time accordingly to ensure that both sides of it are being valued. Um, 
if that makes sense too. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. talking in circles. No, that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. For me, I feel like having a business is more of the idea. Like, yes, this, mm. is, where I want. this is where I want my life to go. And finding that person or that that piece of the puzzle to fit together, that's when you have the business. And then when you own the business is when it starts to take off and mm. you start to increase those levels of responsibility. And now we're not just responsible for ourselves. We're responsible for our employees. We're mm-hmm. responsible for our clients. We're responsible for the school team. We're responsible for collaborating with the speech therapist. So owning the business has so much more to do with what goes into running it on a daily basis versus having it as, you know, oh yeah, everybody wants to have an idea or have that business, but can you really own it? Yeah, can you execute that vision, right? And then make sure it's maintained accordingly to what you had in mind as far as the way that it's run. Yeah. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I really like your kind of the the description that you put forth because um, when when you when you first gave us this um, prompt of what what's the difference, I'm like I don't I don't know what the difference is. I feel like <laughs> it doesn't that mean the same thing? But I I really like how um, you guys just said it where you know where you have where you own a business, that sense of responsibility, like that's, that's one thing that I, that I really do see that's different between, um, having, you know, a business like a, like a retail business, like a boutique, like a, you know, something like a, I don't know, like a food, uh, restaurant type of thing, or, um, you know, those kind of businesses where you can have a business and it can be part of your, your life and all that kind of stuff. But until you have responsibility over other people, um, then that's where you really become an owner because you just have this whole new set of responsibilities. Like I feel personally responsible for all of our clients. I feel responsible for all of my staff, you know, because if I do something that prevents the business from moving forward, it prevents them from working, prevents them from accessing services, then, then I've messed up so many other people's lives Mm -hmm. in one way or another. So I, I really like the description that you, you just gave on kind of the difference. I think you kind of solved the problem for me. (laughs) So thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) We did our best. I agree with you though, Jessica. Initially I was like, I don't know differences like you, know, you have to kind of think about you just have to kind of put it into perspective and like okay what does it mean to be the owner versus having it and like compartmentalize those things so you weren't the only one that thought that I did as well I was like oh, I like this question it's making me think I'm glad I made you guys think a little bit <laughs> and really contemplate where I was coming from with this whole idea of being a business owner versus having a business because in my head, it's like you have a business, you, you know, you are working the business and you're not necessarily responsible for it's um, for other employees. You are only linear in your growth. You're only thinking of, you know, this is my next step. This is my next target. But when you're becoming a business owner, you're not necessarily working the business by yourself. You actually have, you know, employees. You are now kind of removed from the daily, um, the daily back and forth or the daily uh, task that needs to be needs to happen because you now have people in place to kind of take care of those things. So maybe that was the the basic gist of where I was going with it. <laughs> I think that um, that is your basic level when you're getting started. You know, I think that when you're first getting started, you have an idea and therefore you are the only person that then starts to execute that idea. Mm-hmm. And then once you start to evolve and then change and, you know, try to figure out where you want your business to go, then it starts to you know, just diff- shift your mm-hmm. thinking, right? Because then, okay, it's no longer about this small amount of people. Let's talk about these large amount of people. And then also, where are we going? What's the profitability? So I think when I when we first started, and I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but when I first started, then it was about right now, what's happening? Where do we need to go? 
And it was just immediate. Whereas now I'm starting to think of where do I want this business to be in two years? Where do Mm -hmm. I want this business to be in three years? And then now let's go ahead and break down and look at the profitability. Well, let me go ahead and now put in structures to see what, you know, uh, what's impacting the business. So I think that it shifts as you're growing your business and you're looking at you know, like my accountant says, you're looking at a 50 foot, 50 foot view up as opposed to being right here, you know, in it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably what makes the difference between having a business and being a business owner is you're looking at all of the KPIs. Where are we? We're having conversations as far as looking at admin. How many people are we losing? It's no longer about the individual person. It's mm-hmm. about the overall sustainability of the company. Right, right. Which makes perfect sense. So I think that most entrepreneurs are, you have to be a visionary. You have to think of those things that, you know, may not have been thought of before, or you're looking at a a way of business that may not have been done before, or you, it's been done before, but you have a new spin, a new take on that type of business. So as a visionary, as an entrepreneur, how do you kind of narrow down your focus to have that business, to own that business that you are wanting to build? Well, I, I agree with Lakeisha. I think it changes over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that you start with this idea of what you want going in and how you're going to stand out, you know, et cetera, in a, in a field that's vastly, vastly growing daily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that with time, there are so many variables that tie into what makes your business successful, what makes it um, challenging. And you have to really consider those variables to ensure that you're staying true to yourself, A, and mm-hmm. B, the vision of your company. But I think that with all of and we kind of talked about this a little bit previously, but like those, you know, obstacles, I guess, if you will, whether they be a good challenge or a difficult challenge. I think that sustaining your vision, right? What it is that you're trying to ensure that you're getting done um, is at the center of what you're doing, but at the same time, overcoming these obstacles and making you stronger because of it, right? There are so many situations where we didn't really think we would see ourselves in. And then now we see ourselves that it is a form of growth, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that when you kind of move in that direction and always look at the idea of how are we going to grow not only ourselves, but our client base and also Mm -hmm. the skill set that they obtain while working with us, um, that becomes the sole focus of, okay, this is, this is what's moving us forward. And this is where I want to be always is moving forward with our, Mm -hmm. you know, we're always teaching, 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 teaching with our kiddos, right. Reducing behavior, teaching um, replacement behaviors. And I think that with their growth, our growth has to come with it as well. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. So Ms. Jessica, Ms. Lakeisha, as a visionary, how do you narrow down your vision? Because I know it could, I'm pretty sure it could be a grand thing. You want to, you know, conquer this, you want to do that. You want, you know, that the business can, you know, grow to this amount or, you know, whatever it is that you are envisioning for yourself and for your business, but how do you narrow the business or how do you narrow your vision down to be that business owner that you're looking to be? I don't know if you have to narrow it down, <laughs> right? Cause I, I think for me, when I think of being a business owner, um, I think of different areas in which, you know, I can, grow my business? Who am I as a person? What is it that I want to do? What are my values? What are my goals? Are they aligned? Um, And then in that, what does that look like? So Mm -hmm. I would kind of mention um, in the beginning, obviously there's, you need to work on one thing at one time. And so when you talk about 
not necessarily narrowing down your vision. It's more so compartmentalizing it and then planning it out. Mm. So if you ask me and say, hey, Keisha, what's happening for the next you know, year, then I can tell you quarter by quarter my goals of what I want to happen. You know, So let's talk about the first quarter. It was all about planning and let's talk about what we want to do. I want to open up you know, another center or whatnot at the end of the year. How do I then get to that point? Because I can't obviously just jump in and be like, okay, I want to open up a center and here we go. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, then I need to plan it out. So I think, and that's the whole point of being a business owner, right? You have these grand ideas, you have the vision of where you want the company to go and you don't just implement it all at once, but you break it down, create a okay. TA, and then you plan it out and then you fulfill those different targets. So I think um, it really helps with, you know, just kind of knowing where you want to go and how you want to get there is going to be your biggest, you know, struggle and being able to plan it out. Right now I'm reading this book called The Big Leap Mm -hmm. and um, it just really talks about operating in your zone of genius. And so not in, not in your zone of competence, not in your competence, but your zone of genius. And so I think most true business owners start to operate in their zone of genius and then they start to figure out, okay, I'm not the artist, mm-hmm. right? And so if I'm not the artist, then who am I? Am I the manager, right? Or am I the business owner? And I found out early on that building business was more so of who I am as opposed to being a clinician, which is kind of like, you know, why I had the clinician, the CEO is kind of like, okay, there, there's a process here. And which one are you? Because if you're just a clinician, then that's great. And you want to operate a business, but you do need to be concerned about the overall business and what that looks like. Uh And so it's creating a plan and a strategy for that to say, I'm going to be here, but I'm going to put these people in charge to make sure that this runs appropriately and in the right spaces. So, so I don't, I don't necessarily believe you have to limit or, you know, you do have to focus it, but you don't have to limit it. I should say. Okay. Focus vision, not limited. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. So how Miss Jessica, how do you have that focused vision? Yeah, and and that's kind of what I would call it is more of a of a focus. You know, when you're first starting off, yeah, there was a ton of ideas. Like there are still a ton of ideas of things that I want to achieve with my business, but um you have to start with what you know enough of first, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where we started, that's where the focus was. And then as you kind of set things in place, things are starting to run smoothly, you know, everything is moving the way it can or it's supposed to, then you're able to, okay, now I can pull this other piece or now I can start this program. Um and and then those those things might change. Like we were right about to start a social skills program um, mm-hmm. in clinic uh, in April 2020. And, you know, then March 2020 came. Yeah. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, we probably can't bring people into our office right now. So, right. Um, you know, so then, you know, just based on whatever's happening in the world, like those things are going to change your focus. And what did our focus change to at that point? Okay. Telehealth. How can we figure out Uh how to make sure telehealth is effective and how it's going to work for all of our clients? And then what new avenues does that open up for us? Well, now I have the ability because I know, you know, lots of other people, everybody's providing these telehealth like webinars and things like that. So I can expand in that way. And maybe that was a thought, but it's just, it depends on just what's going on and which area you need to focus during which time. Um, so yeah, it's definitely not about um, narrowing down what you're going to focus on because you shouldn't limit yourself to just one niche. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to always keep learning. I'm already like branching into a new area that's, you know, underserved. Um, and I, I know that if I can get, you know, the education and and everything that I need to move into that area, then we will be able to do well. Um, So it's always about keeping your mind open and seeing what else you can add to make your business better. And I think that's the visionary aspect of it. Okay. how, How can you continue to add to it to make it better? That makes that makes sense. So then I need to ask you guys this, you're a business owner and how do you know 
when to begin to scale? How do you know with all of your vision and your, it's not limited, but it's a focused vision. How do you know when to start to scale your business and add these team members on so that you're kind of removing yourself from, I guess, like that day-to-day operations piece and you're being more of the the owner of the company? Well, for us, uh, it was all about timing. It really was, you know, we, we made those decisions as the time presented itself. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like we're taking opportunity-based data. data. Here's our opportunity. What are we going to do with it? Um, and so as the opportunities came up, that's when we would make the decisions uh, based on what we wanted to do, what was good for the company, and if we were able to do it at the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I agree. I think that's well said. It really was about timing. I mean, um, you know, there's, I think that there comes a point at some point in any business owner's life where you're like, what am I doing? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? <laughs> Can I do this? Did I make the right Did choice? Did I make the right choice? What was I thinking? Um, and like, I yes. think they say, and I don't know who they is, but you know, <laughs> somebody <say>. said it <laughs> <laughs> that like year three is the hardest year. And if you can get through that, then your business will be successful, right? Mm. Like get through the first three years and then come out on the other side of it. Um, and I think that as time progressed and opportunities became more um, realistic as far as what we could and couldn't offer and also so that we didn't burn ourselves out, you know, mm-hmm. it really became a matter of, is it worth it to, at this point? Like we're comfortable now. Um, we want to help every child on the planet. We do. Right. Right. Mom. Give me every single one of them, adult, child. I don't know who it is, but there's only so much time in a day. That's true. And you have to really focus on yourself first, because as I tell all of our clients and myself included, I tell my mother, you know, if you're not, if you're not settled within yourself, Mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to serve your clients or serve your community. Um, and I think that that's a really important, you know, kind of concept. Cause I think there were times where it was like, okay, sure. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. But really, am I going to do it wholeheartedly or am I going to do it, you know, haphazardly? And I, I want to be sure that I can do it with all of my, life and, and everything that I have to offer. Um, so yeah, when the time is right and we feel that we have the availability and mm-hmm. um, uh, support, not just from ourselves, but from our staff, then we make you know the decision to kind of expand. And and sometimes we can't, and and that's a hard, hard call. Yeah. You know, telling clients no is, is really hard. Right. Um, right. But. Sometimes it has to happen. Unfortunately, there's um, only so many hours in a day. Right, right. So I digress, but anyways. No, it's it's good because, you know, we're in a helping profession. So you do want to help everybody that knocks on your door and says, we need you. So I completely understand, even without having a business. (laughs) I say it all the time. I'm like, I wish I could have everybody. But did it on Friday. We went into a client's house saying, okay, we don't have time. We're going to, you know, respectively say you're on, you're the first one on our wait list. And we left the client. We'll email you a schedule next week. <laughs> oh gosh. That didn't happen. We're, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, with that comes all a whole other set of, um, you know, just kind of needs that you have to make sure fall into place for first before you can start those things. So mm-hmm. it's not just us. It takes a village. Right. Right. And I'm That's grateful true. for the village. Yes. <laughs> so grateful. <laughs> Um, one thing that I, I think is important when you're uh, looking to expand or scale um, is, yeah, you know, finding those those opportunities um, and taking them when they come up. But it's also takes a little bit of pre-planning and working to create those opportunities by putting people in positions to um, help with that expansion. And so this is something that I push with my my staff is like, I, I need to know what you're interested in because mm. if we can focus on your interest, then we can use you and you can be happier here because you're doing something you really like 
and you're helping us expand the business in this direction or this direction. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, really about putting, um, finding out, you know, what it is that people are interested in, um, not catering, but like just helping that interest, you know, giving them, you know, uh, uh, training opportunities and things like that for, for whatever it is that they're interested in. And then letting them start to run with it, giving them that autonomy to start moving that forward. And then you can create and scale in that way um, or expand um, in that way. So that's one thing that that we do in order to kind of get some of the pressure off of us as business owners and say, okay, now I can I can start thinking about this other thing that I want to expand because I can't I can't think about everything all at the same time. Like right. I can do that. <laughs> Right. So, yeah. Hard not okay. sometimes though, right? I feel like my brain sometimes at night, I'm like, bing, 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 bing. <laughs> Close your eyes, shut it down. Just like go to sleep now. It's yes. time to stop working. It is, yes. It is not time to work. You were literally in bed. Right. <laughs> There's another thought. <laughs> So I think for me, um, it may have been a little different just because my intention was to scale from the start. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was very strategic about doing uh, and putting people in places that I knew was not my expertise. So I was not the, okay, let me hop in and I'll do it all girl. I wasn't that person. And so <laughs> I was like, I'm a great clinician. I'm going to be the clinician. What do I need? I need this person, this person, this person, this person. Okay. How can I get them within the budget that I have and what uh-huh. does that look like? And so for me in the beginning, um, it was a lot of maybe contracting positions in the beginning where if I needed HR assistance, that was contracted out. If I needed, you know, some bookkeeping that was contracted out. And so all of the aspects of the business were that could be contracted out and within my budget was contracted out and then planned for to once we had enough, you know, um, revenue coming in to allow, allow for those people to come in. So, when I talk about this is actually kind of interesting because people are like, well, how did you do that? And I, and the reason, and the way that I did it was I worked elsewhere Uh and then I let my business work itself. And then I didn't start drawing from my business until it was actually profitable. And so for, for me, it was kind of like, okay, well, I'm working 120 hours over here to maintain my own personal household. But then for you know, my business, I then started to put people in place and then start planning. Okay. We need somebody that's part-time in case management. We need somebody that's a scheduler. Okay. That means that, you know, how many hours versus how many kids do we have? So, I mean, from the start, I started thinking like, okay, how can I make this work Uh without having to be the only person doing it? So that was, that was always my next step. So like, even right now I need to hire a COO. Right. And mm-hmm. so the thought process was, I don't, I didn't, I knew I needed to hire a COO this year. And so we started doing the research last year, market research and figuring out, okay, what does that look like? What does right. this person do? How will they fit in our company? All right. Now what's the trajectory of when I wanted to bring this person in now that I have all of this information. And so mm-hmm. now what does the budget allow for me to bring, and carve out this position and how are they going to, you know, contribute to the company? Same thing for adding on a scheduler. Where are you currently? Are you, you know, um, what does that look like? What's your capacity? Are you full-time, part-time? Do I need to bring in another scheduler? Is there somebody else, like Jessica was saying, is there someone else in the company that have great scheduling skills Uh to where now we can kind of look at that and say, okay, maybe we can bring her in part-time. So I think it's it's a constant, you know, uh, where are we now? Where do we want to be in five years? Where do we want to be, you know, and where do we want to be in a year? Where do we want to be in five years what does this company look like longevity wise and you know how do we want to get there so I think it it was slightly different you know as for me and fading myself out so right now I'm still the clinical director Mm. and right the CEO but I don't necessarily see clients per se so my goal right now is to say okay so 
what do I do as a clinical director? What does that look like? And in six to eight months, do is that a role that I'm willing to give up? Because mm-hmm. you know, I try to operate in like, you know, like I said, my zone of genius. I love training. I'm a great trainer. So boom, that's where that's what I do within my business. But can I bring on another BCBA that is now have those management skills that I would love to have and then, you know, start training them to be the assistant director to then groom them to be now the clinical director director Uh you know so it's 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 a process but I think you need to think strategically and long term about where you are and where your revenue is going and then you can start making some different moves so that makes me wonder then and I'm so I'm the type of person I want to do everything I want to do I want my hands in everything possible. And I know Keisha, you said that you started from, from the beginning, you were like, nope, we're going to scale. I'm a contract, this person, this person, this person to do what it is that I'm not going to do, or I'm not good at doing or whatever. So how do you get your hands out of the pot? Like how, as a business owner, do you remove yourself from being the the one and all to you know the end all to be all to do everything within the company and operate like Keisha said in your zone of genius being the CEO being the the clinical lead or whatever your title may be for your company how do you get out of that mode of thinking I think it's purposeful like you said, you know, I want to do everything. And as you can see that you have three different types of business owners here just on the stage, whereas we have, you know, I don't know why your name always escapes me, but the, <laughs> <laughs> the company in Orange County, they Rooted are, in play. Huh? Rooted in play. Rooted in play. I'm going to write that down because I'm not going to forget again. I'm about to put it right on my computer. Uh, it's okay. I get called different names. I forget stuff all the time. You're forgiven. <laughs> play has more of a clinical lead where they are really in the field and in the trenches. And that wasn't necessarily the way that they, you know, it might not have been how they started, but that was what their values were. So I mm-hmm. think it really is that initial thought of how do I want to run my business? Mm-hmm. And do I really want to, I mean, you find pretty quickly that you can't do everything. Right, right. I mean, you find out really quick, like, oh, okay, you know what? This is not for me. I, I don't enjoy this. I don't like it. And so I've always just been one of those type of people where if I don't like it, I'm not getting ready to do it. And I don't know where that come from or how that, how I got to that point. But if I don't like something, I'm not mm-hmm. going to, because I, I know that I'm going to mess it up. Right. <laughs> I don't want to anybody. Right. And and so because I know that about me, I'm gonna try to find the best people that's gonna fit those places. Mm-hmm. Right. And I knew that like I don't know crap about HR, but do I know people that know HR? So a lot of it is asking questions. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is being open. One of the things that people tell you is, oh my God, don't share your business, don't say anything to anybody. No, you need to tell everybody. You need to, this is what I'm doing. You need to call it out. You need to claim it. It's mine. Because what's going to happen is you're going to start attracting people that are going to want to help and they're going to refer you to other people. And that's what happened to me mm-hmm. is the more I talked about it, the more that these people knew these people that knew these people. And then I was able to kind of have a pick of the litter and not just kind of, oh, well, let me do it by myself because it's my thing. You right, know? right, right. Which makes, that makes sense. I mean, if you kind of hold everything close to chest, how do I know how to help you if you're not being open and kind of transparent with me? Because you don't know what my strengths are until we begin to have that dialogue. So for you ladies, um, same question goes to you. How do you get your hands out of the pot? Well, I just want to say that when I make tough decisions, I'm going to call you from now on, Lakeisha. Because uh, I need a little bit more Lakeisha in me, I feel like. Try <laughs> it until we realize it's too hard and then find somebody to help us with it. Sometimes hard decisions are really hard to make. Right. Uh, it's not easy, quite honestly. I mean, I think that, um, you know, you have... 
luckily you have somebody, we have someone to support us at all times mm-hmm. to kind of bounce these ideas off of. Um, and luckily we've both been in the industry in California for the past 10 years. So like Lakeisha, we may not know everybody, but we know enough people who know those people. Right. So right. if we had a question, I would call, you know, some of my friends who had a business or someone who we used to work with. And then, oh, well, I know this person and you should give them a call. Or Jen would reach out to her contacts back East. And that's how we got our insurance biller. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things just kind of, yeah. as problems came up again, that timing, we took the opportunity. Can we solve it? Nope, not for us. Let's find somebody who can. Yeah. And we would use that network of people that we have so, so much gratitude for, mm-hmm. um, to reach out and ask for that help. When you yeah. And you know, it's easy to say, okay, I can do this. Oh, I can do this. I can do this, but you're quickly going to burn yourself out. Right. Right. And you are going to become resentful perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a good place to be in. Um, and it's okay to say no to things. It's okay to set those boundaries and have support. And, and I, I think relinquishing that initially is like, but this is my baby. What do you mean? Um, but once you see that it can still run smoothly with that additional support, like Mariah said, like the gratitude just flows through you. Um, we are so grateful for the support that we do have because it makes us better clinicians. Yeah, it really right. does. And it saves time for the important stuff um, that we feel is within our zone of genius, right? right. Um, versus, you know, like I said, scheduling or like it's been said scheduling you know insurance, insurance like don't even ask me right i'll, I'll forward that email <laughs> right real quick like yeah. hey somebody's calling you because <laughs> send me the people you want me to tell no to Those <laughs> we're gonna have a private conversation about that because <laughs> we need to say no <laughs> Mm, no thank you and, and you just say it real quick no thank you <laughs> with a smile <laughs> so miss jessica how do you keep your hands out of the pot i guess uh kind of along with with what you know they were just saying like it's really hard it's really hard i um personally <clears throat> like to control everything, mm-hmm. um, which is why we want to be our own business owners, right? Because we want to have that sense of control, um, sort of. We want to help, right? That's the other part of it. Um, but I want things to happen my way. And so, you know, unlike Lakeisha and your wonderful plan of creating and scaling your business, uh, for me, it was like doing it all myself first, figuring out how it's done. And then once I was either... I had too much to do, or I was tired of doing it, or uh, somebody else showed interest in it, then I had to figure out how to trust that that person was going to do well. Um, and for me, that's the the harder part is figuring out, you know, who can I trust to do this part, um, mm-hmm. whatever it is. <clears throat> and then making sure that you're available to help train them. Like if you are the kind of person who wants to do everything at the start, that's fine. I think that's totally fine because it it makes you feel more part of the business potentially. Um, But then also making sure that your training is really up to standard when you're trying to pass that on to somebody else. Like when you're ready to say, okay, this is too much. I I don't need to be doing this anymore. How am I going to make sure that this next person, you know, does it as well as I do? Um, And then I think the other thing Lakeisha had mentioned um, in a couple of other uh, episodes was um, having those meetings. So you have like a couple of meetings with, you know, the main people from like each department and things like that. And, and your meetings are really standardized. And I think once you're, you're giving those, you know, all of those pieces away and you're, you're taking your hands out of this pot to put it in this other pot, um, then just making sure you're having those check-in meetings so that you at least know exactly what's going on, you know, how this is moving forward or how this is stalled or whatever the case might be. Um, I think those are, are really good ideas for for making sure that you still understand what's happening okay and I do want to put a disclaimer out there that it's not always easy right right and so I think I think what people need to know is especially if you're going to fail from the start and this is probably why a lot of people don't get started you have to be willing to fail Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
right? You have to be willing to lose some money. You have to be willing to lose some time. You have to be willing to, you know, dive deeper into the process. Maybe I didn't train as well. Okay, so what do I need to do now? And it might be some backtracking to Mm -hmm. do, but guess what's going to happen? It's going to be stronger and better the next time. So you have to be willing to fail. And I think that's the biggest part of like this whole conversation is how good are you at failing? Because mm-hmm. the more you fail, the better you get. So I'm I'm okay with failing because I feel like, I mean, well, first of all, I can't, you can't take it away from me. Right. You're not going to be able to have my experiences. Right. And mm-hmm. if all else fails, man, you can just go pick up another EIN number. They're giving them out like hotcakes. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. That's true. That's true. Just <laughs> go through rebranding. If you fail, guess what happens? Nobody says anything like, oh my gosh, bad person. They, go get you another EIN number, start over, be better, do better, and, you know, grow. Right, right. Yeah, that's a really good point. That made me laugh. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> So being a business owner, like Jennifer just, you know, said earlier, you know, she's trying to go to sleep and you're thinking about, oh, this, oh, that. And it's like a squirrel moment. It's like, oh, I got to do this. Oh, I can do this. Oh, you know, something else for the business. How do you guys work on your as a business owner versus working in the business um, kind of do your work life balance? How do you get to a place where you are making sure that you are taking care of your baby, the business, as much as you're taking care of yourself. Um, I mean, it took a while. It took a long time for us, quite honestly. Um, We're five years in and we're just at that point. Yeah. I'd say in the past two years where we have that work-life balance. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you're, at least for us anyways, we were so focused on what we wanted to accomplish and how we were going to get there that we were, we were all in. That's all you know, mm-hmm. our business was our focus for quite a while. Um, and whether that's healthy or not, that's to be determined. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, if I had to do this over again, mm-hmm. I would make sure that it was a priority from the beginning to mm. have that work-life balance, which I bet right. Lakeisha's going to say she did. No, but you know, for us, it took time. It didn't happen overnight. Um, but as we grew, we realized that if we didn't have that work-life balance, again, we weren't going to be the clinicians that we knew we could, could be. be. Yeah. And so it became a priority once we got into a more kind of rhythmic flow within our business that, okay, now we no longer, you know, we no longer work on the weekends. That's step one, right? Mm-hmm. We no longer work after that's at five o'clock, the phone's off. Like, Maybe six. Most of the time. (laughs) Um, Unless it's an emergency, you know. I I mean, you know, so we learned as we went. And I also think that it comes from, you know, the clientele that you have too. Like how far will they push you and push those boundaries? And how far will you go to sustain those boundaries? Um, Because if you're answering phone calls at nine o'clock at night, then of course your sleep's going to be disrupted. Right. right? Um, So I think... If I had to do it again, I would make sure that it was a priority from the start, but it, and it always was, it just, it just wasn't available. Yeah. We needed the time to push us forward. We knew we needed the time to take care of ourselves, but we didn't have the staff at the time that we trusted Mm, enough to relinquish those responsibilities too. Once we grew to the point where we had the great staff, the Mm -hmm. great people to rely on, the help that we needed moving things forward, that's when we were able to really step back and say, okay, we can take this break because now we have people in place Mm -hmm. that we trust that can handle this for us. Yeah. And I, and our clients learned as well, you know, if you have a question and it's regarding something that we don't work on or that Mm -hmm. we don't address, I mean, they now know, okay, call this person because I are not going to talk to you about that. They are, you want to talk about your schedule? Your ske- you want to, well, you want to talk about, you know, goals or whatever it might be. Sure. We'll, we'll, we'll put it on the schedule. But when it comes to the things that we don't directly address, but we were aware of, obviously, as a business right, owner, right, right. on, 
um, but there's people to address those specific aspects of it. Once our clients realized, okay, call this person for that, call this person for that. I think that helped too, because mm-hmm. it was st- in the beginning, it was like, it's okay, just, what do I do with this? How do I do this? Who, who do I contact for this? And, and I think that that alone costs a lot of anxiety. Um, so again, having that team in place to be able to delegate to and, and clients knowing that, okay, I can go to this person for this and I don't have to bother them with this really took a lot of pressure off of us too, to really be able to kind of maintain that work-life balance. And, and now we are 100% balanced. (laughs) You will not call me and bother me during my yoga class. (laughs) And that's wonderful. Not 100% balanced. But we're getting there. We're getting there. That's wonderful so. that you guys are at least getting there slowly, yeah. but surely as long as it's coming, that's what it's matters. It's good. Better. That's really good. And just because she asked, no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're so good at things. I promise you I didn't. You I did it. Um, no, I think in the beginning, I kind of equate it to, I mean, I have six kids. So for me, being able to kind of juggle is mandatory. Uh (laughs) You know, I've always had to juggle. I've been doing this since I was like 18. Um, So um, I have this saying that I tell all new mothers, is children come into your life, you don't go into theirs. Uh And so therefore, the people and what you do will start to adapt. And so I think it's the same concept that I also have with business Uh is, you know what I mean? Like people will adapt to this. uh, The business will adapt to my lifestyle. So in the beginning, it's just like a newborn baby where it needs a lot of your attention. It needs a lot of the details. It needs a lot of the, you know, just pouring into. And then as it gets older and and more mature, then you can kind of step away and, you know, you start to kind of, you know, gradually have these breaks in times. Um, Although I did do it a little faster, um, I think right now I probably work in my business, maybe about 40% and I'm working on my business like the other part of the time, right? Um, And so then that has changed because I really only do now I do special cases when people call me because I feel like, you know, there are certain things that people come to Key Essentials for. Mm -hmm. And typically that's because I'm really strong at dealing with behaviors. I'm really strong at dealing with parents. And so sometimes I'll take on some of those cases, but also my goal is to also teach my staff how to do that. So if if it comes in as a special request, then I, I typically do it. But for the most part, I train. Like Uh that's my whole thing. I train, I audit and I shape my staff to where when I do send in another clinical director that they're already like, they're already solid. And it's just now I have to train the clinical director, if that makes any sense. It does. So, um, so I think for me, I've had a work-life balance, like for the past couple of years and we're going into our fifth year this year. So it's been kind of like, okay, now I need to start stepping away. Um, I'm not as great as not picking up a phone call, but we, because we have, (laughs) it sounds so cliche, but because we have a hierarchy of order, you know, uh, a order of hierarchy, I guess is what it's called. Then they don't, people don't tend to call me. Mm-hmm. unless it's like dire like I'd be like hey nobody calls me and they'd be like um because so-and-so took care of it so that's the hard part about delegating too is then you're not quite in the mix right right <laughs> right like I'm not always in the mix I might get the information on the back end so it just really depends on you know where you want to be and how involved you want to be. I used to have it to where they sent every single email, like every single email that went through the company came through me. And now I don't even, I don't even bat an eye because literally I'm working on the business. So I'm Mm -hmm. always thinking about how can we generate more revenue? What's the next thing that we're going to do? How are we going to get to, you know, this point? Um, Not And then how are we going to make sure that the staff is happy? So it's like a combination of just kind of balancing, you know, all of those different things all at one time. Okay. So really quick before I get to Miss Jessica, and I'm sorry, Miss Jessica, what do you mean by you work in your business versus on your business? What does that mean? 
So working in your business, meaning that I have direct contact with the staff, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm doing clinical duties, um, like, you know, auditing, um, like reviewing uh, reports, like, you know, all of the things I have to be doing in the business. On my business is a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of putting in those structures, um, so let's say right now we didn't have a uh, applicant tracking system, right? So we mm-hmm. have 50 plus employees and we didn't have an actual applicant tracking system because we didn't necessarily need it. It was enough for, you know, the HR to handle. Well, now we need an applicant tracking system. What does that look like? So now I'm putting in those structures to automate the business to where it flows a little more it flows better. So that's the difference between working in my business and working on the business. So I'm trying to make sure that the business is able to sustainably, you know, grow um, that not just in revenue, but in our staff um, and their knowledge and also just the different areas. Um, Do we want to branch off? Right. So those are the conversations that I'm having. Okay. you know, so that's why I said about 60, 60% of my time is usually spent on what are we getting ready to do for this system, this system, as opposed to me actually having physical contact with, you know, the staff that work for okay. me. Okay. All right. So Miss Jessica, the same question goes for you. How do you maintain a work-life balance and do you have a, a good work-life balance right now? I think, um, like the girls have already said, it takes a while to get to that work-life balance, like that you don't have it right away because uh, exactly like Lakeisha said, when you first start your business, it's like a newborn and you have to be there pretty much 24-7 trying to figure out and, and, you know, make sure there's no fires basically. Um, And then as it kind of progresses, you get people into spots where they need to be and, and things start, you know, moving a little bit better without your direct input, um, then you're able to kind of step back a little bit. The other thing when it comes to work life balance um, is I kind of see it more as a value rather than a goal. Um, So I see it as something that I have to work towards every day. It's not, um, it's not like I can get exactly 50-50 or, you know, whatever I think the right balance is. Um, it's it's not something that I'm going to get to. Um, I, I have to, some days, you know, work is going to take the priority. You know, some weeks work is going to take the priority. You know, when COVID happened, we had to switch to uh, telehealth. Work was the priority, figuring out how to make it work, right? Where life and worrying about COVID was not my priority. I was like, all right, I'm going to stay home and figure out how to make sure we don't die, right? Right. Um, <laughs> in terms of the business, in terms of the business. Right. Um, and so it's it's just kind of, it's this fluid thing for me. I see it as more being just more fluid um, and, and it changing, you know, there's times like, this month work hasn't been a priority. I was buying a house. So my life was my priority and in, in moving that stuff forward. Congratulations um, again. So thank you. Thank you. Um, and so it just, it kind of changes. It kind of changes. And I think that's what makes it a little bit more effective and makes you feel like you have that work-life balance because you can sometimes pay just a lot of attention to your work and then you can easily switch when something is happening in your life and put all your attention there. And when you can move back and forth like that, I think that's kind of where the balance is. So okay. that makes sense. Having a balance mm-hmm. and knowing when to shift and when to move and kind of when your business needs a little more attention versus your, I guess your life, which sounds kind of terrible the way I just put it. But <laughs> but one more thing before we we conclude this episode is do you believe that there has been a shifting in the business realm with ABA companies? Do you feel that there has been a shift towards more um, just getting, and this is kind of off the subject a little bit, but kind of getting the warm bodies in the seats for, um, for clients versus having those, really trained, well-versed RBTs, BCBAs, 
um, into the field versus, like I said, having just a warm body and it's like, oh, we'll train you when you get there kind of thing. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I started my business is because I saw that there was a lot more of just putting warm bodies into positions um, to meet hours and make money. Um, I I don't think there's necessarily a shift yet. I think that's still happening. Um, I think we need more uh, small business type of uh, agencies like ours to really help push that shift. That doesn't seem to be where the um, the field is going with um, the investors and uh, things like that happening. You know, big investment firms taking over, you know, larger ABA companies after they've already taken over some of the smaller ABA companies. So um, I don't see them often um, really giving that full dedication to training and uh, just quality service delivery, um, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I, I live in a smaller area, and so I don't see a lot of huge agencies here. Um, we do have a lot more um, of the smaller agencies, so I think that helps with the with the quality sometimes, depending on the agency. Right. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's actually a a shift. I think there are people that have that mindset where we need to shift it, but I don't, I don't see it quite as a, like a massive thing happening. Yeah. I I agree with Jessica. I feel like it's definitely a hot topic in Mm -hmm. the world of ABA. Um, And I think the intention is there. I think that people generally want to serve this community well, because at the end of the day, it's a person's life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that, you know, just as anything, like Jessica said as well, like the investors come in and see opportunity for growth and then out goes the quality. And, um, you know, every client that we have actually at Rooted in Play, except for one, um, has come to us unhappy from another agency. Mm -hmm. So there's that. So we strive to really make that shift in demonstrating that ABA can be such a beautiful thing if done Mm -hmm. well and properly. Um, Do do we still have tears sometimes? Absolutely. Do we still have moments? Absolutely. Um, But I think that, again, the intention is there, but I don't quite see that shift just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree as well, Jessica, I think having smaller agencies that show that you can have this outcome, I think it'll reinstore faith in, in parents mm-hmm. um, because, you know, we had a client tell us once that she was done with ABA. I can't remember if I said this or not on the podcast, but basically that ABA is horrible. It's, you know, we're never doing it again. And it turned into, um, you know, now we have had them for a couple of years. So, and things have, you know, shifted significantly. That's good. So, That's really good. Yeah. And I, and I, that was hard. I mean, that yeah. was hard to hear. Like ABA is horrible. No, no, it's not. <laughs> right. It's not. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. I mean, it's, it's done well and, and with care and supported. And, and with the client centered as the priority versus right. being, making money as the priority. Yeah. And, you know, when I came out to California from New York and saw the bigger companies and the bigger corporations and how everybody was, you know, there were no hands in any pots. Everybody was just going. Um, so that got to be pretty frustrating. And so that's a big reason why we decided to open our company is to bring that scale back down to intimate. Right. Right. You know, we're involved and we know what's going on with our clients. Yeah. So I think it depends on, you know, area too, where you live. Right. Right. So I hope to see that shift. I do Mm -hmm. because, um, I was reading something about a podcast, another podcast that somebody had questioned if they would discuss um, the negative side effects of how people perceive ABA. And it made me think, I was like, that's a whole podcast in and of itself. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, I hope to see that shift. I really do. And I hope that we can all be pioneers in that shift. Right. Right. Miss Keisha. You know, it's, I come from 
just a background, just being in special education for a really long time. And I think overall, there has been, um, I guess, slightly a shift, right? There's been like, obviously, and and I think that it's probably magnified in the sense that there are multiple there's good and bad right. in everything that we do, mm-hmm. right? And so um, if people choose to focus on the negative, then obviously then all you'll see is the negative parts of it. But I, you know, at, like the other ladies, I think for me, um, when I opened up my business, you know, like I said, I've been in this field a long time. Working in this population of special needs is never going away, and so what I what I decided to do and one of the reasons why I opened up is because I wanted to pay more attention to the employees and making sure that they are, you know, fulfilled and happy and, you know, they understand what ABA is. And so and I feel like if, if we start to then focus on the employees and their education and how successful they are and if they're even a right fit then mm-hmm. we then start to have a continuum of care because now I train the employees, the employees then train, you know, the parents and then the parents are able to parent their own children and not necessarily need ABA services, you know, in the long run. And I think nobody's really talking about that. It's kind of like, I need the employees, but. Right, right. <laughs> Right. They're they're not the priority. Well, if we make the employees a priority, then guess what? Our whole company flourishes. Right. right? And so I think people, you know, have to adjust their views. I mean, I worked for a large ABA company when I first started in ABA. And I mean, I was given like 40 hours of training, literally, like I was was 40 hours of training. That was amazing. Um, They cannot sustain that. Mm hmm. Right. I mean, but this is also coming from bigger companies. So I think you have a catch 22 where you do have your bigger companies that, you know, are doing the right thing. And then you also have some that are coming in that are not doing the right thing. And And I think it just really depends on you doing research and finding out what's the best fit for you and how you learn. Right. Somebody that has the experience can easily go to a company that doesn't necessarily care about their employees. Whereas somebody that doesn't have experience can easily go to that same company and be a horrible technician. So I think Mm -hmm. it just really depends on the shift. But I mean, I think, you know, I know we don't always talk about, you know, the economics of it, but I also feel like, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into that too. How do I, have you know great people when I can barely pay these people and Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) so I think all of those different things come into play as to how somebody decides to train or not train their staff and you know what what you quote unquote want your profit margin to be and if that's your concern you know then you're probably not going to make it very far if you're right. worried about your bottom line, you know, like I was saying before, when I first started my business, it was everything went into the business. That's not how people want to start. Right. Because right. they want to see a profit. And for me, it was about putting those systems in place. I didn't care if I necessarily saw a profit. I cared that the people were put in places where this business would be sustainable. And so right. I may lose out on profit. I know I was talking to a coworker one time and she was just like, our profit is like, or a colleague, our profit is like 20 to 25%. And I was just like, how? <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a question, how? I was like, what are you doing? And so when she started breaking it down, I was like, oh, that's why. Mm. Oh, okay. So, you know, I think it really depends on what, you're, what, what you feel is appropriate and what's not appropriate. I didn't build this business. And I tell people all the time is even though I scaled from the start, I didn't build it for me. I built it for people like me. Right, right that were tired of the system and tired of them not being first. Mm-hmm. It was always the client first and the client is important and the client is why we have a business. But my client, my customer is my employees first and then my clients. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Because if you take care of your, 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 not your customers, but <laughs> your staff, their staff is going to take care of your clients. Exactly. It's, so. a, it's a trickle down effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just want to thank you ladies again for being a part of the business roundtable. This was really awesome. Um, I can't thank you enough for just giving your bits of wisdom about being a business owner versus owning a business. Like to me, it made a lot of sense that, you know, there's times where you do have to step back and you have to take your hands out of the pot. Like I said, I'm the type that wants to do everything. Like I want to touch like each little piece because I'm just a control freak that way. (laughs) But in order to be sustainable, to have a really good business, like you ladies were saying, you have to learn kind of what it is that you want, what you value, what your vision is, and then learn how to scale from there and learn how to have that work-life balance as well. So I can't thank you enough for being here. Does anybody have any parting words before we wrap up? No, this is great. Thank you for having us. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So like I said before in every episode, like, subscribe, share, make sure that you are sharing this with other business owners. Even if they've been in business for five plus years, they may find some tidbits here and there that they may not have explored or thought of before. So make sure you're sharing this content. Make sure you are following us on social media, if I can get the word out, at Life with ABA on Facebook and Instagram. And check out our website at lifewithbehavioranalysis.com. So we will be back at this next month with a whole brand new topic for our roundtable. If you have any questions, make sure you email us, that you get in contact with us. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know how you feel about the episode and we will see you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Life with Behavior Analysis podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Also, make sure you check out our website for more content. See you next time. Bye.